tuning in to another edition of Factions Freedom. I'm your host, Noisera, Freedom Factions, whichever one you prefer, and I have titled this episode, Organized Activism, Quiet Wars at Home, and Liberation Awareness. Why? Because I'm joined by Justin Harvey of We Are Change Orlando, talking about a number of things, fluoride, glyphosate, pesticides, uh, marching against Monsanto, working with Anonymous, and so much more. We get into a lot of heavy topics in this edition, that's for sure. Uh, so much so that we're definitely just going to have to have Justin on another time. The after show roundup was basically a whole separate show. And these types of things are good. But with that being said, let's start the show. I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but this is a power-packed episode. Make sure you have your notes together and your eyes and ears ready to receive what's about to be told. With that being said, let's start the show. Okay. And we are live. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. Salutations, my friends. And thank you for tuning in to this edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm actually joined by the amazing Justin Harvey of We Are Change Orlando. Justin, my man, how are you? Doing great, man. How about yourself? Oh, man, I tell you what, I'm fired up for this episode, that's for sure. Yeah, so am I. So am I. Give people a little bit of a lowdown, uh, a, a, a quick brief lowdown on, on things. Uh, kind of how I met Justin, why I wanted to talk to Justin, and, and, and also why Justin is so awesome. You know, he's marched, he's organized March Against Monsanto for six years. He's spoken city council meetings and at protests about things like fluoride pesticides recently you may have seen him uh, at the orlando city council meeting i think about two weeks ago talking about 5g um if we can i want to get into this as well with you how you confronted uh, the astronaut scott kelly he's also attended two different flat earth conferences he's been to dc to march with uh, uh, march with anonymous been involved in Sandy Hook, speaks on things like 9-11, chemtrails, vaccines, uh, pipeline activism. He actually went to uh, Sandy Rock. So while we were de- uh, while we were reporting on things like the Dakota Access Pipeline uh, and all the other crazy stuff that was going on there, our good man Justin was actually there. And with that being said, Justin, thank you for joining us. An impressive resume, my man. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm just uh, doing as much as I can with the resources I got. Like most people, um, when you find out what's what's going on in this world, you have to do something about it. You know, whether it's just telling your, your people in your close circles or whether it's getting super active and getting in the streets or whatever it may be, um, I, I had to do something. So I've uh, kind of spread myself over many issues. Some are uh, kind of closer to me than others, but, you know, just doing what I can, basically. That's well, what they say, you know, once you know more you begin to do more. I, I think that's kind of it, you know, thinking about the March Against Monsanto, even things like Anonymous, uh, that just kind of, for activists like ourselves, that gives a timeline of just like how far back you've been involved in this kind of activism, like in this kind of work. Yeah, and it, it, those two things you mentioned actually were two of the first things I kind of dove into. Um, when I, when I first discovered, I guess, things like the Federal Reserve, the money system, and, and, and genetically modified foods, I found the March Against Monsanto and the Orlando chapter. Started attending some meetings with them and got involved with planning the, uh, the protest, the yearly protest. And 
you know, that was one that was so direct. You know, we have to eat three times a day. We have to feed our families. It was something that, that was right in front of you that you couldn't ignore. You know, some other things like the wars overseas, people are so out of touch with. It's hard for them to care. But when, when you look at it, what they're doing to our food, it, that's what really upset me. And I tried to channel that to, like, you know, some positive action. So I got involved with that. Um, but then, you know, then you find out about the anonymous movement and I was like, well, I'm going to DC. I want to, I want to march with these people and, you know, talk about a, a powerful experience, you know, um, being with that many people in the streets and shutting the entire city of DC down for gosh, almost 12 hours. The first time I, the first, uh, March we did in like 2014, I think was the first year I went. I think they had one in 2013 as well. But um, just a really great experience when you get with like-minded people like that and to, to take the streets and numbers, it's, um, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I, I don't know if you remember uh, the, the We Are 99 movements from like, I think, 2010, 2008, 2009, 2010. But that was like right whenever I started seeing like people like Anonymous out there on the street uh, doing the whole Occupy Wall Street and, and, and showing, you know, what could actually happen you know, if people rose up, if people actually came together, unified over ideas, and, and, and used that power to expose the system, the, right around that time frame is whenever I learned that it could be possible, you know, and, and, and I'm guessing you were probably out there already doing that type of work. Well, actually, it's funny you say that. So you were already involved in the, the 09 time periods? I, online. I was still trying okay. to finish high school. Yeah, I was actually still um, fast asleep during those days, man. I was uh, I was still a sleepy sheep. It wasn't until late 2012, um, coincidentally, I guess, if you believe in coincidences, uh, I snapped out of it. I had a very rapid um, awakening, I guess you call it. In late 2012, I, I kind of discovered the many rabbit holes at once, and I didn't know about any of them. And, you know, I, I watched plenty of TV, ate plenty of crappy food, and partied. I was, you know, doing what most people do, um, and I snapped out of it, and it was in 2012, 2013 is when I really just hit the ground running, and I haven't, my life's never been the same. It's, it's, it, you know, I tell people it was one of the, it's some of the most upsetting things to discover, you know, the history of, like, your government and, and some of the lies that were being told, but it's also, like, the most liberating thing I tell people that's ever happened, yes. you know, like, the freedom of um, freeing yourself from from the television and, and the mental slavery, the the fear, uh, all of that is is so amazing. And then when you start meeting people within the community, and you, you find out that there's a whole another family out there that you didn't even know about. And once I started meeting all those people and helping other people see the light, you know, cleaning up their diet, turning off the television, um, you know, breaking free from all that, that. Is, is really what keeps me going and that's what motivates me and inspires me to keep doing this really yes yes it's like liberation through like awareness yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about i want to i definitely want to talk on like you know meeting up at the united common at the united for common ground summit and how powerful that was because i i feel like leading up to it i tried to tell everybody it felt like i was being invited to go sit at the justice league I felt like a kid at a candy store because it was just like, wow, look at, look at all of the, look at all these heroes. But I definitely want to get into that with you. But before we do, let's, let's speak on that because I think a lot of people hit that or hit that, that liberation through awareness, that waking up and saying, you know what, as dire as things are, I feel, I feel more free than ever. Like I, I, yes. I want to speak on that. Yes. <laughs> you said it, man. That's, that's as true as it can get. Like, 
you know, it's it's about uh, it's hard to describe, you know, unless you really experience it. And I keep going back to the fear and love thing. You know, I was inspired early on just to give a little background. When I woke up in 2012, I was inspired by journalists and activists like Luke Rudowski, uh, which is why I do We Are Change Orlando, um, Derek Rose, Adam Kokesh, people like that. So when I saw them, you know, confronting politicians and challenging unconstitutional checkpoints, that motivated me to get out there. And that's when you really start to, to see real change and to liberate yourself because you start getting involved and, and you realize that you can make a difference. And that is really what it's all about. Um, it just it, it just makes perfect sense. You know, you see, I think people get to a point to where they they get overwhelmed. You know, they see all this stuff happening. They think to themselves, what can one individual do? And what, well, who am I? And that's a very good place to be at, if you ask me, because then you're like a blank slate. Then you're actually aware of the problem. You can see the threat. You begin to like, you know, assess yourself. Do like a self audit. Where where are your weapons? Where what are your resources? What are your capabilities? And then you figure out, okay, I need to improve here. I need to work here. Uh, maybe I need to link up with other people there. It's like you 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 learn so much about yourself because of because of like what's actually going on. You know, and, and, and speaking on the whole love and fear thing. You know, people think because we're talking about this type of stuff that we're fear-mongering, when really it's the exact opposite. We've now awoken you from your fear of not knowing what the unknown is. We now know what the threat is. Therefore, we should be able to all come together and unify and find a common solution, you would think. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's what it's all about. Um, when you operate from a state of, like, love and acceptance and looking at the glass half full all the time, and that's what you're going to get back, you know, and people will say we have like we'll have protests and, you know, you always have people say, well, what's that going to do? What's picketing going to do? Or, you know, that didn't accomplish anything. You know, we're just going to march around downtown and be done and then go home and everything's back to normal. But I look at it as look at all the connections we made that day. Um, look at the one news crew that maybe came out and did a little story on us that woke up some people on television. Look at the, uh, the, the woman that stops at the stoplight reads our sign that says Google Monsanto this or whatnot, and, and she Googles it at the stoplight and then gives you a thumbs up. I've literally seen that happen. So I could list off like so many benefits from just a protest. So it, it, I think it just goes to show that like everything has its place. Everyone has their role. And I think we hit them from all angles. You know, yes. when, and, and when you do all of that, it all comes together beautifully. So you can't sit there and say, oh, well, that doesn't work. Well, it may not work for that person. It may not work for that city or that particular topic, but we just got to strategize and, and do what works best with, ev with everything, really. And you gotta, you got to think, too, when have we ever been, like, in a position like this, you know, for, for years before, decades before us, you know, it, it would have to take weeks or months in advance to plan, like, a... a, a a protest or to plan like stuff like this people organize that stuff like basically overnight we're able to have like instant awareness with hashtags if you if you can unify digitally you're able to affect like physically i think people kind of get in that locked mindset to where just because they don't see and this could be a symptom of the the instant gratification society we live in today just yeah. because they don't see that immediate change uh they don't think they're affecting things or they don't think that that that, 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 that things are happening it's just like we have to, it, because we've been in this, this position of disenfranchised power or disadvantage, we have to realize that now 
we're able to fight back and it's not going to be instant it's not going to be overnight it's got to be gradual it's got to be like like there's, there's there's just certain checkpoints that we have to reach so that we can continue to like increase I, i'm not really necessarily sure how to describe it you know no no you're exactly right that's where i would go with it you have to basically um build goals for yourself and just reach those like you said it's not an overnight process they're not um you know locking us in fema camps overnight they're just slowly adding the TSA, slowly adding the Department of Homeland Security, and then the 5G networks, and then the real-time surveillance facial recognition until eventually you wake up 15 years later and you're in, like, the most Orwellian nightmare police state that you could ever imagine. And just like they're doing it gradual to us, we have to, unfortunately, gradually fight back. And, you know, fortunately, I think that's starting to happen, at least in, in some of my work, because... You know, we've been fighting and making a lot of noise about Monsanto and GMOs for a while, and we may actually be getting uh, somewhere with banning glyphosate in the city of Orlando. We just got it. Other um, activists and concerned citizens have gotten it banned in five cities across Florida now, most of them down near Miami. And uh, we have a meeting with uh, Orlando city commissioners in a couple weeks to get that banned. So, like, for instance, you know, we've been marching for six years, and you could be like, you know, what have we really done? But... How many people have we made aware of GMOs and how many people have educated on themselves on how to shop organic or grow their own food now? And now we may get a ban on glyphosate in all public spaces. So sometimes the victories take a while, but you just got to keep chipping away at it, you know, and look at the other option. You turn around and just lay down. That's not an option. So we just have to continue to fight. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely not going to lay down. Yeah, right. And that's that's something that I hear a lot of people that are engaged these days doing this, like speaking on the on the on the generational responsibility, like fighting back. How, yeah, we 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 expect these things. We, I think a lot of people don't take it serious because it is so much so overwhelming. They're like, wow, you know, this can't be real. I don't want to react or I don't want to engage. I'm going to disengage, and they shut down. But you have people like yourself, uh, you know, Derek Bros. Uh, Matt Agarist, Jason Bassler, uh, all the people of the Mind Unleashed, you know, Luke Randowski, you have all these, uh, Kerry Weather, you have all these, Nick, Nick Burnaby, all these amazing people that are out there creating organizations to raise awareness that, that doesn't have that immediate uh, uh, effect, that doesn't have that immediate overnight change, but it has that ripple effect. It creates that echo to where other people pick it up. Other people do other awareness. Other people create memes. They create stickers. They create videos. They create posts. You know, they create articles. And that's what's, that's what's important. You know, everybody, everybody has their own, and this is how I'm trying to describe it to people these days, everybody is their own type of West weapon system, their own type of information delivery system. If we can figure out how to not necessarily weaponize it, but optimize it for, for uh, uh, a pro-human renaissance-based future, I feel like that's where we're going to have success. But there is no one else that's going to come save us. We're aware of the problems. That's why it's upon us to come up with the solutions. Exactly. Exactly. Everybody's got their role in this fight, man. And, you know, a lot of people do ask, you know, what can I do? And I tell them exactly what you said. Just find your, find your niche. Maybe you're just like a organized, an organizational person. You don't, like, make content. But let's say... You're good at finding all the people that make good content and you just become a reposter of them. And now your account is like an amazing account because you repost so many amazing accounts, you know, so it can trickle down and 
you could find a way to, to be a part of it. Um, you just have to keep digging. <laughs> and that's where I see myself at these days is, is we have to, we have to switch our lens. A lot of it is perception manipulation as well, because there are so many people that are aware of these things. Like I, I, I don't, I have a villainous hatred towards Bill Gates and, yeah. and, now, and now he's publicly teaming up with, uh, with Harvard to spray chemtrails, to do the whole stratosphere aerosol injections thing, right? Wow. That blows my mind. But think about that. We're at the point now to where it's publicly aware, yet we should be talking about system detoxes, system cleanses, how to get heavy metals out of your body. That, that's what should be normalized. So you have people that are generally aware of this problem what we need to do because we've been we've been uh, uh, trumpeting this for so long, we have to start promoting the solutions and promoting the perception as if we have the it's not not as if we have the answers because we don't, but because we have a answer because we have a solution that people need to know there is another alternative out there. Yeah, that's definitely the other half of it. You know, we always talk about what's wrong and the enemy, and and we're always griping about the problem, but. That's something we try to bring to the March Against Monsanto. That's something I try to bring to any event or any topic we raise awareness about. We try to have solutions on the back end. So if you're going to talk about 5G, let's have some links about how to protect yourself. Or, you know, if we're going to talk about Monsanto, let's talk about the local organic places in your community. So that's, that's almost more than half of it. We need to be talking about that almost more than the problem. So you said you, you had like a... You had your waking up moment in like 2012. Was it because you researched the world ending or, or what, what happened uh, in late 2012, early 2013 that woke you up, if you don't mind me asking? No, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's, um, it was strange. It was just kind of a, uh, I guess it was just my time to find out. I had an uncle who made a joke about uh, aliens. Um, we were actually, it's funny you say that because we were talking about, we made a joke about the end of the world and uh, he said something about, nah, they're not going to let that happen. And he pointed up and I was like, what? Who's they? And he told me he would send me a video and he sent me a video and it wasn't so much about aliens that woke me up, but he sent me a video from Stephen Greer with the Disclosure Project and um, it was more so about how the elite were hiding free energy and different technologies that aliens were possibly using and they were hiding that to keep into control and then it kind of like he touched on the federal reserve and that sort of just cracked open the box for me and i was like oh my gosh what else are they lying about so then i fell into the rabbit hole and discovered the federal reserve system and <laughs> false flags and monsanto and and everything within like a week and you know how the story goes. I was buried and we got the JFK speech playing on repeat and I'm mapping out the underground FEMA bases and <laughs> watching the Phil Schneider story and all that stuff. Um, Some William Cooper too. Yeah, all that good stuff and getting buying books like 1984 and Behold a Pale Horse. And uh, yeah, it was all said and done. Um, what do you I think? To get involved. But what do you think about Stephen Greer real quick? Yeah, it's it's funny. I was going to go into that. It, looking back on it, in 2012, I was a real big believer in the aliens and all those whistleblower stories. But now I'm not so sure how I feel about um, what's They're, really going on. Yep. You know, I I think they may believe what they're saying, but I think a lot of the UFOs or or 
occurrences were actually the government. And yeah. if they are aliens, I don't believe that they come from outer space anymore. I think they may come from either the ocean or somewhere else, maybe interdimensional or something that we can't comprehend. But I don't believe they come from like planets in space or anything. Oh man, Justin, you're speaking my language, man. <laughs> First That's off, not where I'm at because. You know, when, when you the more you look into conspiracies and things, you've got to kind of get back on that that journalist viewpoint of like, what can we prove type stuff? And it's really hard to prove that, you know, there's aliens. You know, we can prove that there's UFOs, but we don't know what's uh, what's piloting or controlling that craft or what made it. It could be just advanced government stuff. So as long as it's been and we don't I don't know that we have any evidence of one. But there's that little creature that Stephen Greer had, but. You know, I don't know how I feel about Greer um, and his crew. Apparently, half of his team got cancer or something like that. Huh. Uh, so, I don't know. We're, maybe they are legit, but uh, maybe he really just believes that, that those are aliens, and maybe they're not, and maybe they're the government. Who knows? But I, I'm very skeptical on the whole alien thing. I guess that's where I'm at. I stay open to it, but I'm just very skeptical about the alien stories. Well, what's funny, you know, as I came in, I came into this kind of through, like, the paranormal aspect i was having all kinds of supernatural experiences throughout my life and you know the same thing i tripped down the rabbit hole uh, and i started discovering all the alien abduction phenomena all the stuff that was going on with that oh, okay and then i started hearing about you know my lab military abductions that were taking place right after alien abductions and so i was like well this is this is strange and you hear about the military industrial complex the, the secret space program, the black budget, the feds, mm -hmm. how they're yeah. siphoning off money. And I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on here? Then you hear about this whole thing called whistleblowers. People like Stephen Greer, you know, basically being a gatekeeper. Uh, and and, and I, I just, I, I, I couldn't trust him fully. He looked like a reptilian to me. And, huh. and I'm, his, it was something about his mouth, his, his mouth and just his eyes, the way that he presented himself. I was like, this is not a truthful individual. But I'm, I'm glad you're saying, you know, that they're uh, they're interdimensionals, you know, or that they're that they could be uh, uh, entities that could be at, at subterraneous caverns or depths underneath us. I'm glad you're saying that because what I see happening now, and who knows, you know, we might have the technology to 3D print biological beings. Who knows? But what I see happening now is is a parroting of a narrative to carry out a certain agenda, and I, and I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I, th I know exactly where you're going, and it makes me wonder if, you know, people like Stephen Greer were out to, well, I don't know, because he warns of the fake alien invasion um, as well, but it just makes you wonder if he was there to steer it a certain way, because, you know, and I'm sure you've looked into things like the Vril Society. Oh, yeah. Um, so if let's say that that's true, and there's underground type of, you know, aliens that are running the show, it's... um. It's crazy to think 10 years ago that I'd be saying that. But <laughs> it, it, but to think that if that's true, then and Stephen Greer just steers us away from that and gets us focused on things like greys or just the ships or something, maybe. Because um, people like Phil Schneider are dead, you know what I mean? And Stephen Greer aren't. Um, that's not to say that the ones that slip through the cracks and that don't get knocked off are all, like, you know, controlled opposition, but it does make me wonder. Well, you know, I, I think... Uh... You know, the older I get looking at this type of information, because I still keep my finger on the pulse with a lot of cases, is, is you know, I think we have our, our conceptions of it wrong. That's why it's like it's I don't think it's corporeal. 
you know, that's why it's like through different ages and through different cultures, you see this like interaction with things that keep showing up. I don't think it's like these guys are coming from outer space or Galaplax, CS9 or Zeta Reticuli or Alpha Centauri. I think, you know, they're, they're, they're phasing through or they're, they're coming through the veil or they're, 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 we're building technology to bring them through uh, because there's a lot of, and, I, and I'm not sure if this is something that you pay attention to, but there's a lot of psychedelic association with this and then technological advancements uh, that come with this sort of interterrestrial, extra-dimensional uh, uh, entity. Whatever this is that's, that's, that's here with us, there's always something uh, uh, that acts as a catalyst to integrating them. But it, it, it's strange. Yeah, and, and I, I'm fascinated by all that stuff. And But the only reason you don't see me do videos on it or talk about it much is just because it's so hard to prove. Oh, yeah. Like, and all, and like I said, it's great. It's super interesting, but it's just, it kind of sucks that I can't, it, and not only can I not prove it, but if there was like benevolent or hostile aliens running the show, then you're back to the point, well, what can I do about that? You know, I can try to get the fluoride out of my water in my community, but I'm not going to go digging uh, eight mile holes and try to find the Vril. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I, I definitely hear you. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, at the end of the day too, I think it is. Uh, aspects of aspects of our government, aspects of you know the air quotes deep state, the breakaway civilization, parts of humanity who are actively engaged in this as well. I can't. I'm not going to chop it up to something that's immaterial that we can't ever put a finger on. Right. I would actually say that it is it is parts of complicit humanity who are carrying out these actions. So I, I definitely hear you. It's a crazy rabbit hole, man. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is, and I guess we just got to pick which one pick. Which, Pick which parts of it that we can attack and get get the truth back. Well, what, what, you know, this is a, a way to pivot into talking about some other stuff. You know, one of the main things that you would hear uh, as far as like the aliens or wherever they decided to come from, their whole thing was making sure that the planet was okay. Uh, I forget if it was Operation Fishbowl or which one it was where we, where we uh, exploded a nuke. But it was right after that that they had the whole aliens come in, and their whole message was, you need, to, you need to be kind to one another, you need to take care of the planet, you need to live in harmony, you need to get rid of your weapons. Yeah, And, th and this is something that we kind of see developing today. Uh, and this is kind of my pivot into some of the work that you were doing with Standing Rock uh, whenever you were in North Dakota. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I basically... Um was just like a lot of people uh it was like the meme i remember the meme got me man it was i kept driving to work every day and thinking about standing rock and seeing it on my social media and seeing those people getting sprayed by water cannons and in that freezing weather and there was like a, it was like a cat driving a car and the cat gets to work and is like that face when you want to just drop everything quit your job and drive to standing rock and i remember sharing that and I remember talking to some people and we kept throwing the idea out and I was like, let's go. Like we just, let's just go. And, um, I had a friend that who is actually now my girlfriend, uh, actually went out there before we did by herself. Um, and when nice. she got back, we started, uh, attending pipeline protests here in Florida. We had another one, a Sable trail pipeline that was being put through and was going to go through our Florida aquifer. And we got very like, fragile wetlands um as most people know florida is practically like a swampland uh so we were fighting that pipeline together and we got word that they were going to 
have all these veterans coming in, and it was it was really heating up. And this was in this late November, so we said let's book a trip and go again. And uh, we took like five of us out there, and you know we didn't so much get to experience like a full on like battle with like riot police, so to say. We got there when the massive blizzard hit, and when all the thousands of veterans poured in. So we were there basically helping people shuttle in all these veterans. And it was more of like a community experience because we were helping them move firewood or helping them serve food or move snow or get cars out of, uh, you know, holes or, or ditches because of the weather. And um, it was just really an incredible experience to go and see all that. We were there for about three or four days. Uh, it was that really, really nasty blizzard. And it was during when they made that announcement, too. I think Obama came on and said that, you know, they were going to halt the construction due to some type of permit. And it was kind of like a they threw us a bone, but it was basically a lie. They still continued uh, with the drilling. It was kind of like a false victory. Everybody celebrated that night, and then everyone got really skeptical, and they continued on. And um, uh, that was kind of the duration while we were there. That was what we were there for. A really bad snowstorm and all those veterans. What was it? What was it? I guess what was the general mindset of people there, just knowing that you have a main that you have a runaway media uh, openly mis, not even like covering it, all, barely any alternative media covering, it, and there's all kinds of people from all over the all over the country coming to this area. What did it feel like, kind of just like knowing that your stories, that this is being misrepresented, like you're a part of history, and you know they're going to distort the facts. Yeah, it was very surreal, man, to be honest, because when you get there, like, I remember the first experience we had when we got there. We got there at night, and we showed up, and it's pitch black. There's ice and snow, and I don't know where I'm at. I'm, I'm a Floridian, so I don't even know how to walk in this stuff. And we just got thrown into this area where there was a bunch of people that needed help with firewood. So I'm, like, throwing firewood down a line of people, and there's a guy from, you know, Texas on my right and a guy from, like, Europe on my left, people from all over the world, not just the country. Nice. So it was an incredible like community experience. I remember one time I completely busted my ass and fell and like three people were there to catch me almost instantly and help me up. You know, it, it was just, it was a massive family and it was a well-oiled machine. Like the, the, the food that was being served, the security, the, the cohesion that everyone developed. It was, it was a little city that just popped up and was running itself, <laughs> you know, without government and police <laughs> The only government and police were there to attack them. So that was a beautiful and incredible thing to see. On the other hand, though, I will say that when we got there, this had been going on for months. Uh, a lot of people there at the camp, a lot of the elders were very paranoid because of what they were doing. I mean, you got to remember, they were terrorizing these people. They were flying helicopters and drones very low over their heads 24 hours a day, not so much for surveillance, but just to terrorize them. Uh, some people think they were even spraying chemicals at night. You know, they were shooting them with the tear gas and the yep. concussion grenades and the water cannons. And there were infiltrators. There was um, government or police operatives infiltrating the camp and yep. then coming back out of the camp and telling the police that there were terrorists, like jihadist terrorists in the camp, which was total fabrication used as justification to use force and military tactics against the peaceful protesters. So that was uh, kind, of, kind of strange because when we got there, that hostility was was around. You could tell. Like I had my my independent, you know, press pass on, and I had a couple people like, "Who are you?" And 
they were very, very critical and hostile towards anyone media. And I had to explain to them, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much on your side. I'm, you know, an activist slash journalist. I'm here to, to help you. Uh, but that was a little hard to get across to people because they had infiltrators and they had so much up against them that uh, it made it tough. But other than that, it was, it was a, just a really beautiful experience overall. I can, I can understand that. You know, that's, that's understandable paranoia, especially with like outside agitators coming in there. You know, you got police trying to infiltrate it and doing all that. that and, it, and it was, it was real. They were keeping people up overnight spraying spraying them with water uh flying planes with sirens uh shooting tear gas and smoke bombs like they were doing deliver they were deliberately trying to incite uh uh chaos so that they could have 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 a reason to go in and just hearing that you know that sound it, it sounds awesome i'm not gonna lie it sounds like it, it sounds like what more people need to experience without the authoritarian jackboot trying to trying, trying to squelch it trying to, you know, trying to stomp on it. Yeah. And I mean, I can remember the vision of standing in the, uh, there was like a dome structure they had where you basically had to go. It was sort of like an orientation. Like if you were new on the campground, you had, on the reservation, you had to go in there and basically get the rundown. And like this Native American woman would uh, basically tell you kind of where things were and how it was going to go. And you could just look around the room at this influx of people that showed up the same day as you and there were, you know, military veterans, like this old white guy with a mustache. And then there was like young women and just the different people. Like you would just get the chills looking around the room. And like, you could tell everyone was about to have a tear come down their eye just from hearing this native American woman talk and explain to you the pains they've been going through and what to look out for. It was just, the whole thing was surreal. I only spent three or four days there and I would, it felt like weeks um, just because of how much we soaked in. Salutations, my friends. I'm here to talk to you about, that's right, CBD oil. CBD oil can reduce the risk of relapse among alcohol and cocaine addicts, and you know they're trying to flood us with both. According to a 2013 study published in the British Journal of Clinical Pharmacology, CBD was proven to have these benefits, relieving pain and inflammation, having antipsychotic effects, reducing anxiety, helping to fight cancer, relieving nausea, treating seizures, lowering incidences of diabetes, and also promoting cardiovascular health. Realize that in 2014, Purdue Pharma received FDA approval for an opioid drug that claimed to help curb the opioid addiction. This will actually help you curb your usage of opioids as well as your reliance upon them. And remember, guys and gals, stay vigilant.
that's I, I can't even I can't even think about it. Like it doesn't. This might sound like weird right now, but you know, seeing that kind of unity does it make you love America or hate it more, or does it just like make you have appreciation? Like you're seeing you're seeing people com- unify over over a common threat. Like what? Like I, I guess just like elaborate still on those feelings. Yeah, it's it definitely doesn't make me mad. It gives me it does make me happy. It gives me hope because it just shows that everyone can and will come together in a time like that. And I can't blame everyone's ap- apathy, you know, so much for them because you've got to look at what we've been put through. We've been sedated and medicated and, you know, fluoridated, vaccinated, uh the television, the things the society has done to us like all these standards we're supposed to live up to, these physical appearances and these, these, all these different things is manipulated us so much. It's hard for me now. I, I sympathize for people, you know, even people like small time criminals and things that probably just doing things because they're in poverty when you really look at it. And most of the poverty has been created by this, this debt slavery system that is yeah. not an accident. So I have sympathy for people that don't care, uh, that don't know what's wrong or won't come to Standing Rock because I used to be one of them and they don't know any better uh, is, is really how it goes. But the people that do get it and the people that did come out, they give you so much inspiration and hope that once we get a big enough chunk on that level, it's game over. You know, we all know whatever that statistic is about the revolution. You know, it doesn't take like half of us. It only takes like a certain portion. So... We just got to keep chipping away, man. The internet has been our greatest blessing. Uh, if it wasn't for that, I think that the that the brainwashing, the the manipulation would have just heightened. But the internet has let so many cats out of the bag that they can't they can't close Pandora's box now. So we're we're still winning, even with the suppression currently we're dealing with, the censorship on social media sites, even with the pushback on all this vaccination stuff, even with the 5G, I still think we're winning because the beast has been awakened and it's, we're, we're, we're growing. We're not going to uh, decrease in numbers ever. I don't think. No, no, they don't realize how the adversity of, of, of throwing out these little problems, how that's just like making us more uh, athletic or more responsive to these actual issues. How we're like literally just like being ironed out by everything that they're, they're throwing at us. Um, and, and that's what I, that's what I've noticed. They, they step up their efforts and we've evolved, um, to meet them. And, and that's a powerful thing. It, it, it really truly is, you know, and, and this is, I think a good place for us to kind of segue into talking about, you know, the United for Common Ground Summit. That was something for me that, that gave me hope because, you know, I really do, I don't, I don't really, I don't really consider myself like you know, in your guys' stratosphere. I feel like I'm just starting out. I'm just trying to play catch up. But being able to be invited to something like that, where you have these heavy hitter uh, individuals who are kicking tail, taking names, you know, making change, having having all this organization go on, to be able to to go to something like that, it's 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 humbling, you know. Um, what were your thoughts, if you don't mind me asking? What are, what were your thoughts about things like United for Common Ground Summit? Oh, man, you just hit it on the head. I was out of my league. I don't know what you're talking about. I walked in the room and I was like, man, these are all the guys. These are all the heavy hitters. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was so in, uh, inspired by some of the people in that room when I first got into this. It was really cool to, to see some of them again and meet, meet others for the first time. Um, 
I think the meeting was well overdue, but it, it took it took the censorship and everything for us to finally come together and um, put our heads together, which is what we really needed. And now we have to because they're cracking down so hard. And I think only good things will come from it. Um, you know, we obviously met each other for the first time. And I think the connections made that day will, will probably go down in history. We won't know the, the ripple effect we'll create um, just by that day, you know, whether it's Rachel Blevins and Mint Press News getting together more or Jason Bassler working with whoever, Danny Quest or whoever it is. It's, um, it's only good things to come from that. And we should definitely make it like a, an annual thing, I think. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's like, you, I, I think because, you know, because we are all so focused on trying to get our, get our content out and improve what we're doing individually, I, I think maybe collectively we didn't realize like the amount of history that we had made that one day. You know, and, and I was sitting there basically jazzed up like a like a school go- like a school girl, you know, having having too much candy right before class, man. I was just like hyped up like oh I was sweating, you know, I was drinking water like a fish. I was like, Oh my god, like look at these people, like, oh there's Derek Rose, there's Active Post, it's like well oh, mint press news. Like I felt like a little fanboy just having to calm calm down because it's like think think about that. How many different people amongst all of our different organizations, how many different followers and people can we influence just there alone? And that's what we're pulling together. We're coming together to try to come up with solutions, effective solutions, because, yeah, the threat is real. But all that's going to do is propel us even even further into like a position of, of, of assuredness, of, of teamwork, of collaboration. Like, think about it. If, if, I, if I was smart. I would have on uh, everybody. You know how I made that list of uh, everybody that was there at the second, the second roundup. At the second one. Yeah, oh, at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. If I was smart, I would have on everybody. You know, uh, everybody that was on that list. That would be the guests for 2019. I would just knock them all out until this was done. But that, and think about how many different solutions and different uh, perspectives we could get going through the year talking about just what happened at the start of the year. That's what we need to do. We need to use like the entire year while addressing certain, certain problems, coming up with solutions with other members, with other partners, with other organizations. Yeah, I definitely agree. And we've just got to keep continue to promote each other too. Like, like we're obviously doing, that's something I've always been big into as well is like, you know, before I got going, I didn't have a whole lot of content. I wasn't super great at much. So I would just, share other people's stuff as much as I could and I'm like and I still do it you know I still think free thought project is one of the best uh, alternative independent you know media sites out there so I just continuously tell people and share their stuff because that we are the media you know we've said it once we'll say it a million times we we are the media now we have to be it we are the change and they've only just lit a fire under us by censoring us more so We'll just be coming back with a vengeance. <laughs> Jason, if you're listening, we're talking about you, man. You got the fire, bro. We got your six. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, that's and that's exactly why they came after them, man. Sometimes it's funny. I used to want to post like my top alternative media sites as a Facebook post, but I'm like, man, if anybody's watching and it's got any sense, they're probably taking note of who we think are the best and maybe make their own little list. So when they do go for the wave of censorship, they know who to take out first, but it was only inevitable that they find out that they were one of the best because their content speaks for itself. It's threatening to the establishment that is. So 
Um, it was only it surprises me that we are change and collective evolution and other pages didn't get axed. To be honest, knock on wood, man. You know, I uh, I feel like we we tasted censor- we tasted heavy active censorship last year. I feel like you know they're they're quietly working in the background, uh, perfecting their shadow banning techniques, deleting content. Like they're working on the back end stuff this year. But I hear you, man. They don't see how to. Facebook doesn't see too how even deleting the Free Thought Project, and they don't see how just doing what they're doing is is is. I don't know. It's like so symbolic. They don't see how they're deleting Free Thought. It's just that simple. Like they don't see by deleting the Free Thought Project, they're deleting Free Thought from from their platforms, and that's just this em- emblematic of so many different things. You know, like we whenever we had had Jason on, you know, I said. You know, think about this, man. You're so he was so powerful. His organization was so powerful as what what one a few a, a few good individuals could do that it had threatened that it threatened an entire org operation. Like that's an achievement. That's something no one can ever take from you. Yeah, man. We can't. We really can't give those guys enough credit and and um, groups like them because you're right. They just they hit them hard. We we're like. Uh, what is it like trying to get a stranglehold on the last little bit of like free information flow and when we step in there and a couple guys have a page that gets millions of fans and is getting that many types of shares like that's a beautiful thing that's waking up a lot of people so speak speaking of beautiful things you were recently at an orlando city council meeting talking about how 5g may be a global health catastrophe uh I would definitely agree, my friend, but I, I don't think people want to hear from me. Please tell the world, tell the audience uh, about your perspective on 5G. Oh, you have man. the floor. 5G is, um, 5G, I don't know, where do I even start? Uh, the untested, unsafe technology that's being rolled out without public consent uh, is being piloted in 19 or so cities across America and in other countries. It's already rolled out. Uh, Lithuania, I believe, is one. And they're rolling out these small cell towers that are going to be put on almost every other street corner. Uh, It's different type of technology. We think it's from 3G to 4G to 5G. It's not an upgrade from 4G. It's a totally different new technology that uses millimeter wave uh, technology that's, that's the same thing that the military uses for crowd control systems, um... It's some really scary stuff, uh, and, and they're putting them into light poles and church crosses and flag poles, palm trees, oak trees. They're, they're actually fake trees, so they're disguising these things and uh, starting to put them literally everywhere. And the problem with this is, is they're basically microwaving us and turning our cities into a little microwave. So if you're living or working right outside of a right next to one of these towers, let's say it's right next to your office window for, you know, eight hours a day. After a few years, you're probably going to start to develop some health problems, whether it be cancer or um, just neurological problems in general, uh, depression, sleep, anxiety issues. It's been proven time and time again. And gosh, I could go on for days about this. There's so many experts that have been speaking out at different uh, city and state hearings People have been sounding the alarm. There are studies that date back to the 1930s on uh, this type of technology, on radio frequency. Wow. So it, 
there's not even a debate about the uh, safety of it anymore because there's so many peer-reviewed studies and experts that have said that this stuff is dangerous. And another thing is, is we don't even know our current exposure levels. Uh, we've got our, our tablets, our cell phones, our, our routers, the tower down the street. All this stuff is affecting us, and we don't know our current exposure levels, and, and we're about to roll out this new 5G system. So it's pretty scary stuff, and I've uh, been inspired by other people speaking out, so I decided to speak out at my local city council. Uh, the city council member surprisingly agreed with me and said, wow, you do have some valid points there. We tend to agree. The only problem is the FCC's new rule has barred local communities from stopping 5G. We can't stop it. We can't say where it's put or how it's put. We basically have our hands tied. Um, and this was in retaliation to them fearing of that case. They were afraid that communities were going to stop it. So Big Wireless and the FCC, which they work hand in hand, got together to pass this rule. So we basically can't do anything about it at the local level, which is alarming. Uh, but we're working on the next step, whatever that is, moving to the state level or just raising more awareness about them in general. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's scary stuff, this 5G. It's not, all, not, not only going to microwave us, kind of like cooking us from the inside out if you're in close proximity of these for long periods of time, but they have the ability to put voices in your head, as crazy as that may sound. But, I mean, hell, the military had the voice of God weapon they used back in the early 2000s in Iraq where they could literally use these frequencies to put voices in the enemy's head that said, this is Allah, put your weapons down. And they would think that God was talking to them in their head. So this stuff is very real. In Japan, they had a store that used this technology. Um, and when people would walk by the storefront, there would be a voice in your head that would say, come in and buy stuff, or we have a sale, come inside. And the people complained, and they took the, the stuff out of the store and stopped putting voices in people's head. So this stuff's very real, and if they're going to have one of these on every other corner in your city, do you want to be living next to that um, for, for these potential? It's, it's ripe for abuse, and it's, it's scary stuff in this day and age. You, it, it's like every 800 feet is whenever they have a, one of these small cell towers up, too. Yeah, under yeah. 500 feet, actually. And if it, once oh. it's rolled out and fully implemented, they have to be every 500 or else it wouldn't work. So they'll have to be on outside your home and outside your business. And, and some people think, you know, 5G is like, okay, we're ripping out old cell phone towers. We're, impl we're implementing new ones. It's, it's like, no, they're keeping the old cell phone towers and they're creating new cell phone towers, like we said, every 500 feet to basically piggyback off of that signal. People think people think it'll be like faster internet. That's that's I I don't I don't even know what to say to say to that because that's literally how you're being sold a bill of goods. You're being sold death. It's not about faster internet. You know, there's there's all kinds of health issues as you said before, uh, tumors, cancers, uh, uh, Alzheimer's, dementia. You know, yeah. this is this is the silent weapons for quiet wars. So whenever they're building all this stuff saying it's in the name of the Internet of Things or, or it's, it's for the smart city, you know, you've really got to look at, well, how's this, how's this going to affect us? I'm glad you mentioned that voice-to-school technology because that's very real. Just the other day, uh, uh, there was an article out about how MIT has the technology to do that, how it has the technology to, 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 to emit uh, certain sounds, to you know, project sounds and voices into your skull. And this is the type of stuff that's going to be readily accessible. Like, it's not going to be faster internet being able to load apps and load Facebook quicker. 
it's 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 much deeper than that oh yeah and it's it's not just about i mean good god do we need faster internet i mean we all we're talking (laughs) we're talking right now i could i could chat with someone across the world if i wanted to on the internet it i think we're doing just fine with with our connection speed and are we really going to get a little bit more for a lot more health problems i mean that sounds crazy you've got firefighters that have got them banned in los angeles they can't be put near fire stations because they gave the firefighters neurological problems they brought a doctor out and tested their brains and proved it um there's kids and parents protesting them that have been put outside of elementary schools they've banned them in france near nurseries and schools um it's it's crazy what they're doing with those and uh yeah the 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 voice thing is really interesting because you got to look at some of these cases where we have these mass shooters what do they complain about just days before? Voices in their head. We've got, I think it was correct. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on which shooting it is. It's hard to keep up anymore. But I want to say that the Florida State guy was complaining of voices in his head, um, saying that the government was putting voices in his head. So it, it really makes you wonder, are they, have they been testing out Manchurian candidate type things on, you know, already somewhat crazy people and then use them to shoot up something? You know, oh yeah, we have to ask those questions too. Oh yeah, well you know, it, and this is where you know you got to look at things like mental health, pharmaceuticals, uh, and and basically biochemistry. How these people are basically able to hijack it. Uh, just the other day, I was talking about how Regina Dugan, former head of DARPA, who's not a, who's now part of a Facebook's F eight or building, I, I forget which project she is, she's in. But she's basically a part of Facebook's uh, uh, department that's working on translating your thoughts into text. So if this is what they have, what they can, where they can just hook up something to your head uh, physically and translate your thoughts, do you, th- uh, you know, I'm being kind of facetious about it. Do you think that they have uh, technologies to, to literally read your thoughts remotely? You know, that's, that's what um, the LRADs are, right? Except that's whenever they're doing it for crowd control. Do you think that they have a, a technology kind of like a stingray, except where it could extract your thoughts? Exactly. Exactly. This is the stuff that we have to think about, you know. And, and like you said before, it's not about fear. This stuff can sound scary, but you don't want to scare people. You just want to be informed and aware. You know, like the more informed I get on this stuff, the more prepared I am to deal with it, the more prepared you can get to handle it. But you don't want to live in a state of fear or paranoia because – that's just going to put you in a negative mind state and that, you know, we all know it increases stress, it increases sickness and, you know, we've got enough uh, toxins and, and stressful things going on in this world. We don't need to make it worse, you know, by, uh, you know, stressing ourselves out over this stuff. And again, that's what a lot of people tend to ask me is how do you stay, how do you stay positive and how do you stay happy if they're always focusing on these things? But I don't know, man, maybe it's just a gift or something, but I just, I somehow stay optimistic and always look at it half full. You know, everyone that I connect with, every every move that we make, every post that we make, every share, I look at it as, like Tupac said, you know, I'm not going to change the world necessarily, but I'm going to spark the flame that does. So maybe someone accidentally finds a hashtag one day and accidentally finds my post, and that's their rabbit hole key, and then they become the next super activist. You know, that's that's the goal here is to create more super activists. I feel like... Luke Radowski and Adam Kokesh sort of birthed me, and I'd like to birth a, a million more of us, of us. Let's just keep doing it. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, entirely. I, uh, I, I always, 
this is going to sound weird, but I always try to, I always try to talk to people as if I'm talking to the younger me, like who, who I needed whenever I was younger, who I want, like the, the people that you look up to, you know, Graham Hancock, Phil Schneider, William Cooper, all the, fortunately, unfortunately, Alex Jones and his crazy self, all these people that did all this work and stuff before you, Hulk Hogan, um, Macho Man, Randy Savage, all these people that did all this crazy work before you, the the artists of Rise Against, the, you know, they have to age. Unfortunately, time does move forward, and we have to rise up. And so, you know, I see I see all this stuff happening. Yeah, it kind of does bog me down, but it also makes me think, and I ask this to the audience all the time, you know, what values are we going to bring into this new world order? Yes, we can't change the world, but we can try to, you know, like Tupac said, spark, light the spark to change the world. We can at least try and affect those around us so that we can at least move forward into the future with hope and bring that. Yeah, all of this stuff is very real. Like I, I totally understand you. People asking how can you how can you remain optimistic looking at all this stuff? How can how can you do this? How do you why are you doing this? You're fear mongering. It's like no. Like we said at the start of the broadcast, once you learn about this type of stuff, you're able to liberate yourself from chains that you didn't even know you had on you. Exactly. And then you're able to liberate others. And that is the most beautiful thing. And then once you're liberating others, you're connecting with people. Like you said, there's a whole nother family out there waiting for you to step into who you need to be because we, we need you. Yeah. And, and I also think part of it to me was, um, you know, when I fell in the rabbit hole of conspiracies and government corruption and deceptions, I also found like sort of like the spirituality aspect of it. You know, I didn't get yes. all like you know, into to religion or anything. That was what I was finding out was more corrupt. Um, but I got into like, you know, I learned about things like the law of attraction and, and, and you know, and manifesting things and, and your thoughts create reality. And when you look at that stuff and you start listening to people like Alan Watts or, um, or Terrence McKenna and people and, and, and that stuff, talk about keeping a positive outlook on life, like consciousness and everything is alive and we're all connected. And when you start figuring out that, that's a really beautiful thing. And that motivates me more than anything, you know? Well, I want to get, I want to get your opinion on this. You know, um, you have a lot of people doing all kinds of psychedelics and stuff, and I'm not against psychedelics, man. You know, do that trip, go down that rabbit hole, tell me what you find. But mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the problem is people aren't telling us what they find. You know, I'm glad you're saying like, oh, like learning all this stuff leads to a whole different relationship with spirituality. That's like been my main focus for the past few weeks is like really looking at the kind of gifts we're given by stepping into this life. And I see it kind of getting muddied by psychedelics. I'm not saying you're doing you're doing psychedelics, but I'm, I, I just wanted to put this in here uh, for, for, for time and synchronicity sake, because I feel like a lot of what. A lot of what it is, too, is willpower, self-determination. You know, we could speak on stuff like word magic because I believe that stuff is real. You know, having your, having your words create your reality, your thoughts shaping the world that you want to be in, being the architect of your own future. That's a very powerful thing. That's freedom that a lot of people uh, uh, don't understand. And I, don't, I see it kind of being warped and manipulated. That's, that's the only thing I just kind of wanted to put a, 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 a pin in real quick. No. Yeah. That's a good point to make. That's uh, some people do. And I'm not very, I'm not big into psychedelics. I've hardly done anything. I may have tried mushrooms once or twice, but, um, and I don't, I never really found a sort of like, 
spiritual awakening through those things. I feel like I sort of uh, got in tune and like discovered a lot of things without that experience. Yes. Um, so to say, it's strange to say that, and I don't want to discount it at all, especially for someone who's, you know, been on some great trips and is thinking that I'm just, I just haven't experienced it yet or something, but maybe it's just not for me. Uh, but no, those are all, I think they're very important parts of this because you can get into a very dark space if you, if you learn about the new world order. Uh, so it's, it's good to, to realize that positive thoughts and creating your reality and exercise and healthy eating and your mentality is all super important. Uh, it's a very big aspect of this and keep staying sane in this crazy world. <laughs> Speak on that. If you could real quick, I'm, I'm just curious. You said it perfectly. You've been able to have some of these experiences without being on, on, on these psychedelics. I myself have had a few, if you could, uh, enlighten us about a little bit of yours. You know, well, maybe I didn't want to like misspeak there. Like I've had an experience experience like that without psychedelics. I just feel like I, um, I learned a lot about like consciousness and spirituality through like documentaries and hearing other experiences. Um, you know, learning about things like Dr. Emoto and the rice experiment, you know, and, and making three jars of rice and talking to them every morning and seeing one of them turn rotten because you won't speak to it or you said, I hate you. And the other one staying fresh because you said, I love you. And realizing that your, your thoughts and your intentions literally had an effect on the physical matter, the rice and the water. That's crazy. And, and when you start realizing things like that and, and the law of attraction and synchronicities start happening in your life and you start getting more confirmations that this stuff is real, then that's incredible. And to me, that, that was just as life-changing as finding out, you know, how to free myself from, you know, from the uh, control system. Even, maybe even more liberating. I'm glad you said that. It's like you, you, you find... You find the you find higher purpose through the work. It's like you're able to see through through not necessarily the veils, but you're able to get like the greater glimpse of like the plan and of your plan and of higher of higher plans by stepping into it. It's like that synchronicity and that divine timing where things just kind of pop up, simply not for you to experience them, but for 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 greater truths to be revealed, so to speak. Yes, yes, and I, and again, I don't think it was an accident that that I woke up in late 2012 during the end of that time period, which I think it was just a cycle, not the end of the world, obviously. And I don't think it's an accident that all these other people are starting to wake up around this time too. And that, and that we started to, that these things exploded, these truth movements really picked up more after 2012. Um, and more of these topics just started getting into the forefront. None of this is an accident. And, you know, all of that, learning about the, uh, the spirituality aspect and, and, you know, none of this, I don't think is, is just happenstance. And I think that's part of the deception as well is to make us think that we're just like a, just like a random accident. You know, I don't really believe that we just popped out of monkeys and just exploded from the big bang. I think that everything has a divine purpose here. Like, and don't get me wrong. I've never read the Bible. I've never been to church. You know, I don't think that the creator is some guy on a cloud. I think that it's very well, a universal consciousness that we can't comprehend, or maybe it's a computer simulation. I don't know, but I know that this was perfectly created. The way our bodies work, the way this earth works, the way the constellations work, 
you know, everything is absolutely so perfect and incredible and interconnected when you look at the Fibonacci sequence and sacred geometry. And it's to, to think that this is one big accident is it's insulting uh, to me at this point, uh, the more that I've learned and that's oh, yeah. most incredible things to, to discover, I think. And it, it, it confirms to me that there is some type of creator that created this place and us, whether it's, like I said, an alien, a god a computer, whatever it may be. I'm open to all of them still. Uh, I just know that, that it's there, whatever it is. I definitely, I see, I'm not, I see where you're setting up. I definitely want to get into the, to the flat earth stuff real quick. Uh, and this, and I just want to put this pin in it uh, while we're talking about it, our bodies being made for here, you know, uh, uh, that, that we, we have a spark of divinity in us. Uh, I'll argue that with anybody, you know, I hate it. I hate it whenever people say uh, there is no God, Whenever I feel like you can see his fingerprint everywhere, people only worship creation instead of seeing that there is a creator. And that's, one of the, again, a deeper thing that a lot of people, I think, have to come to on their own. Uh, the, same, the same way, you, you know, you have to weigh things like fate and destiny, uh, divinity, creation. Like, this is all very, very real stuff. And, and, you know, this is a good place for us to kind of pivot into talking about things like Flat Earth. This is something uh, that I, I see a lot of people attaching spirituality to or learning learning uh, spirituality through it. I'm not necessarily sure, uh, but you've been to two Flat Earth conferences. Uh, I've, I've talked to a few Flat Earthers that believe these things are controlled opposition because, because of the way that the information is presented there. Uh, if you could, let's get into Flat Earth and, and kind of what you experienced at some of these conferences. Yeah, I guess first I need to give a little backstory on that. Um, I think I was like everyone when I first heard about the flat Earth. I laughed very hard out loud. I made fun of people. Um, I basically was like, "Don't bring that around me." We've got real conspiracies. We've got real problems, and I thought it was just stupid, just like everyone. And it took it took some time. It took I think it was a couple more months went by. I kept seeing people post about it. And um, someone that I respected their opinion and their research kept posting about it. And that was really bothering me. I was like, this girl's not crazy. I know her. I know her. And I watched the, I watched the video. And it was Eric Dubay's 200 Proofs, Earth is Not a Spinning Ball. And I was um, taken back by many of the points he made, to say the least. And um, that began another rabbit hole of research that I think went on for almost a year before I ever said anything about it publicly or posted about it. I was sure sooner than that of what I was looking into, but I was just very hesitant because of the division, the controversy that it would cause, you know, quote unquote, ruining my credibility like people still say it does. You know, I thought about all those things for a very long time, but um, I think I came to the right decision. And I think if us in the truth community stick by our motto, which is question everything, we should be able to question it and talk about it without acting like the sheep do when we bring up 9-11 for the first time. So yes. that that is was one of the biggest things to me. And one of my friends, Robert Scott Bell, a natural healer, radio host here in Florida, says it best. Question everything, especially those things deemed unquestionable. And that was what really struck me was how unquestionable this topic was. All my other activists and truther friends and journalists were all about not this one. This is dumb. This is ridiculous. You know, we're not talking about that. And that just piqued my interest more. 
because um, it was so off limits. So I eventually, after a year was up, I ended up speaking about the topic at um, Meeting of the Minds events hosted by Stand Up 9-11 on Instagram. Shout out to him for letting me do that. I've spoke at two of his events now. Um, I've confronted an astronaut twice about uh, faking spacewalks. I've been to the Flat Earth conferences. I've met a lot of Flat Earthers now, and I'm very involved in the movement uh, with people doing uh, real-life experiments. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Oh, I was also interviewed after a SpaceX launch when they launched the, the Tesla Roadster. Um, I somehow got some publicity from my post calling that out as fake as it could be. <laughs> and uh, they wanted to talk to a Florida Flat Earther that thought space travel was a hoax. So that's, that's some of my Flat Earth stuff in a nutshell. But... Um, uh, as for the conference and, and, and thinking it's controlled opposition and calling people shills, I kind of wanted to touch on this earlier. I think yes. a lot of people get, I call them paranoid truthers. <laughs> I don't take offense to it, guys, but you know, some of us get a little too paranoid and we think people are shills when they're not. Just because they say something that we disagree with, yes. they explain a conspiracy um, explanation different than us, they're not necessarily a shill. I've seen it in the 9-11 truth movement. I've seen it in Sandy Hook. I've seen it in Flat Earth. You know, everyone thinks Richard Gage is right and Judy Woods is a shill. Or Judy Woods right and Richard Gage is a shill. Well, how about, I, my quote is, in my experience in real life, meeting these people, going to conferences, going to protests. I've been in different cities around the country and met different activists. And far more times than often than not. It's disagreements and misunderstandings, not shills and agents. I'm not saying there's not people out there that are trying to infiltrate movements. I've actually debated a, an exposed shill um, that was being paid by Monsanto one time. Um, so they are out there. But in my experience, a lot of these people are not. Uh, you just have people that have egos and they're a little paranoid. And they call people shills when they shouldn't, um, I, I, is I think what's happening. And I think the same thing with the Flat Earth Conference. Just because Flat Earth got some publicity, just because some people were chosen to be interviewed by the media, does not make them sellouts, does not make them paid. Uh, I know pretty much everybody that was in that new Flat Earth documentary now, and um, in my opinion, they're all genuine people. So that's kind of I, where I stand um, on the movement.
You know, and I'm, I'm actually very glad you said that because that shield, of, that shield defense where just because somebody says something that you don't agree with or it's literally the opposite opinion or it's just something that makes you think, I've, I hate that that's like literally what happens within this, this community because you're right. You know, there are people that are paranoid and they have schizophrenic tendencies and, you know, mental health. You know, we're, we're dealing with fringe topics, so we're going to have people that are on the fringe. But what, what, what ends up getting attached to that is paranoia to where we really can't get down to the source of it. Like, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm curious about the flat earth. I see this type of stuff going on, and, and, and I, I want to discuss it. I want to talk about it. I want to figure out, you know, do we, live on a, do we live on a flat plane? Is there, are we living on the globe? Is it a spheroid? We're not necessarily sure. But because there's so much controversy surrounding it, and then you have people who, 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 who aren't acting from a place of compassion and open-mindedness when people do try to reach out, you know, there's this kind of stain or this venom attached with it to where people get turned off. They shut down. You know, they get reactive. They're just like, look, I don't, I don't want to hear about it because, you know, this kind of, these kind of connotations come with it. And so it creates this whole kind of schism to where we want to learn more, but we, but we choose not to learn more because of what's attached to it. Yeah, man, it's crazy. You describe it like that. You're kind of like putting the pieces together for me. The flat earth is almost like, it's almost like this fiery ball that you can't touch because if you get near it, there's like, there's like the community drama and then there's, there's disinformation like the flat earth society website. And then there's, there's all your other, you know, um, allies and truth or friends that are saying it's a controlled opposition and you don't know what to think. And you're right, man, with, with the deceptions we're dealing with, uh, the misinformation, the mental health. I mean, you watch one video and you're like, holy crap, they're lying about that. And then you watch another one and you're like, well, how do I know they're not lying about that to be lying about that? So you could go down that road forever. But what I, what I say to people, man, is just use your best judgment, yeah. level-headed, and go out in the real world. Because the longer I sit behind my computer screen and watch uh, debunking videos and, and this person's an agent video the more I'm going to buy into it. But if you go to the conference and go to lunch with them and hang out with them and keep contact with them, you're going to be able to make a decision way more level-headed than from behind your computer screen going, oh my gosh, that person once had a job at this company that has ties to a government contractor. They're now a shill. Like, dude, I used to do government contracting. I'm not a shill. Like, <laughs> I used to sell pens and paper pads and, and, and printer supplies to government offices. But people could tie that to me and, and say that I'm a shill. Um, it's just go out in the real world, man. That's the, me and David Weiss talk about it a lot. He's a guy that's real big in the flat earth movement. And he deals with a lot of the shill accusations against him and his friends. And the more, the more you go out and talk to people, the, the, the more you'll understand, I think. Do you think that's something that like in this community, in, in this community, in this niche, uh, that we have to like maybe maybe address or just approach with more discernment the fact that because we are on uh, kind of on the trail of stuff that's not necessarily discussed publicly we're, we're in the know on a lot of different things and because we kind of have this immediate skepticism uh, that we immediately dismiss everything that doesn't fit within this somehow uh, preconceived notion of, of, of modern day truth I don't know I don't know if that makes sense uh, <laughs> Justin but I'm, I'm I'm trying to trying to say how people immediately dismiss facts and immediately look at things and say this can't be real because I'm I'm I, I just searched my 
my censored Google, you see. Yeah, and it, it kind of creates like a double-edged sword on both aspects because as, as truth seekers, we, we have all this like skepticism now, which is great. Like I welcome it when, when people are going to question whether the people that were at the Flat Earth Conference were paid by the documentary filmmakers. Good, great question it. And then the people who are accused when they do their podcast, they discuss it for an hour and a half. Like that's a beautiful thing. We have skepticism, and then we have a healthy talk about it, and then usually it's over with, and we should have that. But, you know, at the same time, you've got people that are just so skeptical that it's like, oh, I don't believe this. I don't believe that. And, well, if they got on TV, then then, then something's not right. Like, like Snowden, for instance. A lot of people think Snowden's a double agent because the government would never let a Snowden happen. Well... I've learned, too, and I try to remind people is, dude, man, they don't have 100% control over everything. They don't control every statesman and congressman and, like, most of them, yeah. And, and probably 99% of them can't get out of line on certain topics ever. But, like, our local representatives and the more you trickle down these organizations and these local governments, the less controlled they are. And things slip through the cracks. Local reporters cover things sometimes, and they may get fired afterwards, but... It does happen. So just because a truther makes it on TV or a whistleblower doesn't get knocked off, we shouldn't be so quick to call them double agents because maybe we got to win. I mean, are people that pessimistic that we're literally never going to get a win? We're never going to get a, we're never going to like slip through the crack and get some truth out there in the mainstream. Yes. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm real glad you said that dude, because that, that ties into what we were saying at the start of the show is this is that fear versus love. People, people have this, this pessimistic approach to where they think things are so overwhelmingly bad that they don't see that if they just take those blinders off for two seconds, they can come up with the solutions because guess what? You're attending a conference. Guess what? You're listening to somebody else's podcast. Guess what? You're trying to take care of yourself. It's that literal perception. And if we learn to perceive that we can win and that we can innovate our way out of these issues, then we'll, then that's, that's half the battle right there. But we're at a point where where we're so woke, we're beginning to shoot ourselves in the foot, and that's the first step to ignorance. Yeah, man, you're right about that. That's uh, that woke term. We've we've got to be careful with it. I don't even like using it sometimes. Me neither, bro. It becomes such a. I remember during like the police brutality movement and other movements, people were using this like "stay woke" hashtag. And don't get me wrong, like. If you're, if you're hip to the police brutality and you're fighting against it, like, yeah, you're woke to that. But like, well, you know, if you're if you're still voting, you know, Republican and Democrat and, and, and eating the poisons and watching the television, like, how woke are you? So there's, <laughs> there's so many, like, different aspects of wokeness. Like, you could literally be woke to the smallest thing and asleep as could be on the other. So it's a it's a tough term and it gets demonized. I think I think we need to just always remember that we don't know everything. I mean, what, do, what do we always tell people? The more you learn, the more you don't know. The more you know, the more you don't know. Like, oh, I just learned all these new things, and I found out that I don't know anything now about history or science or the attacks of, you know, 9-11, because now I've learned that all these official stories are wrong. I thought I knew all these things. Now I don't know anything. I thought I knew about the Earth or maybe the Creator. Now all this stuff's up for grabs, and it's like, Hell, what do we know? <laughs> we know we can speak. less and less. <laughs> yeah, but it, maybe that's maybe that's the the universal secret. You know, right. is for is for us to come upon this earth. And this and this goes back to the whole creation, 
and create our thing for us to come here to figure out what it is that we are supposed to do. The, 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 the meaning of life is whatever we make it. We have a, and I've been talking about this a lot lately, you know, this is, this is the beauty of destiny, of fate, of choice of God, that universal con- consciousness, however you want to look at it, that thing called choice, being able to say yes or no, that's a powerful thing. You can either, yes, follow down your family path and continue what your family has done, or you can go and do your own thing, deviate, create your own family path. You can either learn about the history of this earth, or you can try to make history on this earth. And that's what I mean, is it, it boils back down to perception. And I think that's the first step to wisdom, is realizing, yes, we have been lied to. Or what are you going to do? Are you going to try to set some truth free? Are you going to try to help liberate others? Or are you going to just stay focused on the problem? And I think that's that's where we're going to begin to see success. Yeah. Definitely, man. We got to stay focused on the solution. We have to. We got to keep pushing forward and we got to keep at it. Um, I don't really know how you want to segue into what's next, but some of the two most censored topics I've ever been involved in are Sandy Hook and Flat Earth. So I guess take your pick. <laughs> let's let's talk about this. Let's, let's We talked about Flat Earth. If anything, I'll have you back on uh, for future for future information about that. But let me let me get your opinion on Sandy Hook. I haven't. Uh, we haven't really heard a lot about Sandy Hook other than the overwhelming amount of lawsuits that they're trying to throw at Alex, uh, Alex Jones, for, for, for being involved with that. You've, you've also helped um, expose some of the inconsistencies there. Let's get into that. Yeah, man. Sandy Hook was one that um, it happened right when I woke up. I woke up in late 2012. Sandy Hook happened a couple months later. So... I was absolutely glued to it because it was kind of like my 9-11 happening in real time. And I knew there was something up with it. I had questions. I didn't really know much. It wasn't until Wolfgang Halbig came along, which I'm sure if anyone's researched Sandy Hook, you're familiar with Wolfgang Halbig. If not, please search his name until um, your computer breaks. But he's the school safety expert that uh, started to do work on Sandy Hook and was met with threats and harassment. And, you know, this is, this is the guy's story I like to tell because he wasn't a truther. He wasn't a conspiracy theorist or activist. This guy was a state trooper, uh, a school safety expert, a dean at a uh, school. And he, he was in this local community uh, near me here in Florida. And uh, his job, his career was to investigate school shootings and basically give seminars to school districts about how to prevent school shooters and what to do if there is a school shooter. Like This was his job. And he, when Sandy Hook happened, he went to work. He starts, you know, calling people, finding out who the incident commander was, finding out the details. How can they respond better next time? You know, this was his job, how to save lives if this happens again. People were calling him, school districts, him. School districts were like, Wolfgang, we want you to come speak. We want you to come talk to the district in Tampa and tell us how can we prevent Sandy Hook. Like, All right, man, I'll, I'll get and uh, it only continued from there. They started to stalk his family, his family's employers, and he made, he's probably been to Connecticut over 20 times, Freedom of Information Act requests. He's visited the, the United Way donation offices, the police station. He's been given tampered dash cam footage, um, continued threats and harassment. They just happen more and more. I mean, this guy's done it all. And this was his wake-up call, and it, it lit a real fire under him because he's never been interested in any other kind of truth or government corruption. 
but when they came to his home and threatened him with those detectives, he, he knew something was really, really wrong. And every stone that he's turned over has just led to more questions. And in a nutshell, I have kind of latched on to his, um, his movement that he started really and have helped cover his court cases that have happened here in Florida. I've interviewed him multiple times and really just tried to help him get the word out as much as he can because he's been censored. Uh, he's also being sued by the families just like Alex Jones. Uh, he was recently sued by one of the parents here in Florida, which I covered the case multiple times, got into a shouting match with his attorney once. It's It's been like the saga of Sandy Hook uh, down here in Florida against one of the alleged family members. Uh, but all in all, I don't think anyone died that day. I think it was a uh, government drill, basically a mass casualty exercise portrayed as a real event. The school was closed for months. Yeah, they, they shut down the school like right after too, didn't they? Yeah, the, I, we believe that the school was closed well before the supposed shooting. Uh, Wolfgang has documents that show that all the lunch started getting shipped to a different school, which we think is where they sent the kids before the, the setup for the fake massacre happened. Um, and then they tore it down. They tore down Adam Lanza's home and the school and put a gag order on the construction workers. First time they've ever done that. First time they ever classified it by the FBI. Uh, it was a first-timer for many, many things with that shooting. And I think that's because it was totally contrived. And so does Wolfgang, a credible school safety expert and former state trooper. He stands by that and has since 2013. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Did they, didn't they also tear down the school? Like, they also shut it down, but was it like a few months later they actually tore the school down? Yes, that's what I was saying, too. They tore down the school and the shooter's home and um, put gag orders on the construction workers not to say anything. Huh. Yeah, so that's to what you call destroying the evidence. It sounds very reminiscent to when they shipped all that steel uh, out of New York after 9-11 to quickly get rid of it so no one knows what happened. And so is on, the, on the Sandy Hook thing, real quick, you know, how do you how do, how does that how do you think that happens? How does that work? Do they do they still come up with with these crisis actors? Do they just fabricate their history or fabricate a history for these individuals and then just give them funnel them all the money that they need to come up with these fake lawsuits? Like, how is sure. it? You're you, you're kind of right. Um, I think there's different scenarios. You know, this is all this is kind of speculation uh, how they recruit crisis actors and whatnot, but. Uh, I, I will give you my opinion. I think that some of them are probably lifelong CIA plants of some sort uh, that are in it for life, and they probably participate in multiple events like this. I think other people are probably criminals, small-time criminals. Maybe they had like a bankruptcy or some type of fraud, and the government comes to them and says, hey, listen, you know, um, you're going to end up going to jail for this many years for this money laundering or whatnot. We'll make it all go away. Uh, pay off your house, and you'll get $5,000 a week for life. No one's going to get hurt. You're going to be doing the country a great service. Uh, what do you say? Um, so basically, they're going to erase your debt, erase your criminal problems, and give you money for the rest of your life uh, to participate in a drill. And I think that's how they hire people. Uh, most people will do it for money without having uh, lawsuits or criminal charges over their head. But the ones that do, it's probably a no-brainer. And I think they bring those people on and, um, yeah, they play a part. 
uh, we're under the impression that a lot of the kids that they used were, so they'll, let's say they take like a 15-year-old kid, um, they take their younger pictures of that kid, they Photoshop them a little bit and give it a new name, and now they created a sibling, basically. And that's the fake sibling that they killed off. Oh, wow. They did with some of the children. Um, the One of the smoking guns for Sandy Hook is just watch the Super Bowl footage three months later. Like 10 of the kids that were supposedly killed are singing in the Super Bowl, and they eerily look about five years older. And if you match the pictures up to them, it's definitely them. So they mocked us in our faces and paraded out like half of the kids that were allegedly killed, and they sang in the Super Bowl in front of the entire country. Well, there's all you can always find like footage of of, of these crisis of these crisis actors, these people who play these roles. You know, right before they go on stage, they'll be joking, or right before the camera rolls, you know, they'll be joking, having a good time, laughing, you know. And then as soon as they say "get ready," you know, they they start shaking, convulsing trying to bring out the tears and, and boom action and so you know that's that's that media manipulation that i don't think a lot of people uh are, are really aware of and the depths that they'll go to to carry out an agenda i mean hearing you hearing you say all this stuff and then i i i, I didn't put a, i didn't pay heavily heavy attention to sandy hook because i thought it was like a false flag like everything else just another event that they would use uh uh to try to take our guns, you know, for gun control. Hearing you talk about all this makes me think that that was the original uh, Parkland shooting. Because look at how they trotted out David Hogg right after, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what they did. Um, and, and, you know, we were all in that same boat, too, me and Wolfgang and everybody else. We all thought that this was just some type of government operation. We thought it was still a terrible tragedy that people died. We just didn't know who or how it happened. But the more we looked into it, the more that you could tell that these parents, none of them cried a tear. Yes. Now, okay, let's say, oh, people grieve differently. You've got one weirdo that goes on TV and talks right after his kid dies and doesn't cry. Okay, fine. But every single one of the families, I mean, getting interviewed by Anderson Cooper the next day and you're all smiles. You, you talked about Robbie Parker. That's who was standing at the podium, didn't know the cameras were rolling, and was laughing and joking, and then he goes, so are we ready to start? He got this big shitty grin on his face, and then he goes into character and takes those deep breaths and stuff. Yeah. That is classic, classic acting. I mean, I mean, anyone can see it, and I think that was one of the smoking guns for many people. But then you look at the other—I uh, uh, forget their last name—the McConnells or something like that. But they're the ones that were just all giggly a day later with Anderson Cooper. Like, if you lost your child. Why would you want to go talk to the media within the next like week even or ever? And so many of them were there the next day to do all these interviews, all smiles and talk about gun control. It just really it really makes you wonder. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time on the scene of Pulse because I'm here in Orlando and I rushed down there and spent many, many hours for an entire week on the scene. And I saw lots of tears and I didn't see any of those in Sandy Hook footage. Hmm. So, and I, there's a lot of mixed feelings about the Pulse shooting. I know a lot of people don't think that it was a real event. Um, you know, I stay uh, open. I am like 90%, 95% that people were actually hurt and killed that day. But um, it's tough to say because of what they're able to pull off. I mean, we know they pulled off the Boston bombing in broad daylight. 
I don't believe anyone was hurt there. And if you can do that in broad daylight, I think it would be very easy to trick people in a dark nightclub, um, even the people that were there. Because uh, I know people that survived that night. I, I see some of them every week at one of my jobs. So then those people have real terror and have real traumatizing um, experiences. Now, you know, whether they were fooled or not, I don't know. Like I said, I stay open to it. But from my experience, I think it was a real event that was uh, contrived and Omar Mateen was probably set up or helped. Well, I think that's something to point out, too. You know, it, people, again, immediately dismissing things doesn't mean, doesn't mean that it's true. You know, and, and whenever the Pulse nightclub shooting happened, that was a that was a string of attacks. People didn't know what was going on, uh, you know. And I might have an idea as to to the answer of this question. But Justin, why do you think they're why do you, why does this why does it feel like they're going for broke? You know, some of these attacks like Sandy Hook, this would take a few years for us to digest. It seems like you know from from Sandy Hook to Parkland to the Pulse nightclub to the Las the Las Vegas shooting. You know, there's there's so many different shootings, shooting, shootings. Why do you think they're going for broke, or or is this just evidence of our sick society? You know, even if fifty percent of these 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 attacks are real, what is like what does that mean? Yeah, it's um it's scary either way because on one hand you've got a very sick society, and on another hand you've got um, government literally conducting fake mass casualty exercises like left and right and and that should cause some alarm too you know and i don't know what their goal is man i've i've thought about it you know you look at sandy hook you think it's about the guns and then everybody goes out and buys guns well that backfired and then they did a really sloppy job and now all these people are awake to false flags so it's like well what the heck did they screw up that bad or are they doing this on purpose do they want us to wake up and fight back so they can lock us down on the internet. You, you wonder that. And then you wonder, is someone sort of, let's say the Vegas guy is a little weird. Maybe he is planning something and they're um, monitoring him and they just thrust him forward to do it. Um, maybe that's the case sometimes. But what is the end goal? Is it to, because on one hand, again, you're, you're desensitizing people. Like, okay, you want to ban guns. So you have a tragic, something tragic happen in the news and everyone's sad and they want to ban guns. But now if you do it every other week, people are like, oh, well, another shooting, back to work. So I don't know what it's doing. It's keeping us in a state of fear. People are scared to send their kids to school and they think about the movie theater shootings and the, and the nightclub shootings now. I, maybe it's just to keep us in a negative state of mind. Uh, I, I really don't know the goal. They, usually with their, their crap, they have like, you know, multiple agendas attached, but um, it's tough to say with the shootings, man. You know, we got we got about uh, a good ten minutes or so before we, we we wrap up, or if we we cut down before then. You know, you were speaking on it before the whole what is this whole woke this whole stay woke phenomena. You know, what are your thoughts? What 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 would be your message to people who say you know stay woke, even though you've been like out there in the field all these years? What would you say to the people who think they know it all whenever you're still out there experiencing and making change? Um, I don't know. You know, I would just tell them we just can't get too like on our high horse of this wokeness. You know what I mean? Like we have to be careful with putting uh, people on a pedestal 
So let's say someone watches Alex Jones for five or six years, and now it's like, oh my gosh, Alex Jones, this, that. I agree with. I have to agree with everything he says. No, you can you can realize that Alex Jones isn't right about everything, and and take the good from the bad and move on, and be a better version of that, and take everything you learn from Alex, and go do you now, and leave all the bad. And I think that's what we need to remember to focus on: is don't put these people on pedestals, and don't think you're better than anybody with with the wokeness, like. There's a meme uh, I see a lot, and it's it shows people that this guy he's got his hand out, and he's 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 trying to help his friend up, but the friend sees it as like this finger wagging down at him, and it's like I'm not telling you wake up, you you dumb sheep, you know it, and I think that's counterproductive that type of thing. When we think we're so woke and we call everyone a you know I use the term sheep, but I try not to direct it at people, you know like it's not derogatory. Right. If you come off to people and call them a dumb sheep, an idiot, that you need to wake up, you dummy, like, that's condescending. You're probably going to run them off uh, and, and not wake them up. We need to come at people at a place of relatability. You know, meet them on common ground. Be like, hey, I'm trying to, sh- I want to show you this. Like, this happened to me. I found out about this and I care about this. I want to show you. You got to come at people from a, that from that place and I think it'll be much more effective and you know don't even use the word woke um, let's just all continue to learn more and grow from our mistakes and I think that that's the goal uh, we're, we're, we're not supposed to know everything we're not supposed to figure everything out let's just expose the lies and operate from a point of love and I think everything will fall into place if we do that I hear that expose the lies and share the truth Justin what is up for you next, man? Like you're you're out there at protests, you're out there uh, at city council meetings, like you're out there at summits. What are you gonna? What, what else is there for you to do, man? What do you, what what's on your plate for next? Uh, right now, on uh, the immediate agenda is five G and glyphosate. Like I said, we've got a meeting to ban glyphosate here in Orlando in a couple of weeks, so we're really going to focus on that. And then once that is done, um, we're just going to keep chugging away at this five G, man. Uh, it's something that's that's being rolled out. I'm not sure if we can stop it, but even if we can't, we've got to raise as much awareness as possible so people can protect themselves and and maybe, you know, if you live next to a tower, it may be time to sell your home and move out. So those are the things that I'll be focused on. Um, until then, you know, you can find me on YouTube, We Are Change Orlando, Instagram, J Harvey WRC, or you could just find me on Facebook at Justin Harvey. Uh, we've got I work. With, I volunteer with GMO Free Florida, um, so you can like that page as well if you want to sign our glyphosate petitions. But that's that's pretty much what I got on my plate as of now. But you never know; anything could pop up. If there's a politician coming to town, if I find <laughs> out Joe Biden's coming back, I'm gonna be waiting for him to get out of that limo. <laughs> you, you don't you don't uh, you don't want to get a hug from creepy old Uncle Joe Biden? Nope. If creepy Joe comes back, I'm gonna be standing out there with a creepy Joe Biden sign. Google it. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Because <laughs> people need to know. I don't. I, I can't. We should have got into things like glyphosate. You know, uh, with Dwayne Johnson winning that uh, 528 million lawsuit. That's a, that's a huge victory. That even the smallest uh, uh, type of activism, the most major type of activism, like that's something that people can get get behind. I mean, I know they have. Their, their, they're going through their second trial right now of where people are beginning to launch lawsuits against Monsanto for, uh, indeed, their glyphosate causing cancer. Like, there is 
there is good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, all that stuff is happening all the time. Uh, and we have to, we, we really have to take the time to point those types of things out. And, you know, Justin, you coming on here, that's definitely been one of those types of episodes, man. Thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I'm sure we could talk about a hundred different things, uh, which is a good and a bad thing, but I know I'll be glad to come on anytime if you want to do this again. And I forgot to ask you final words. Uh, what, what do you want to leave the audience with? Uh, the final words is to remember to stay optimistic, no matter how dark all the conspiracy talk can get and all the government. Remember that you are a free individual and your thoughts create your reality. You know, we we are the media. We are the change. And in order for us to change this world, we just have to be the change we wish to see and lead by example. I think that's Again, uh, you know what I'll leave it with? I'll leave it with a Tupac quote. It's corny, but it, it's true. We have to change the way we eat. So lose the GMOs and all the pesticides. Change the way we live. Change the way we treat each other. Because it's on us to do what we got to do to survive. So we have to operate from love and be the change. That's the key. And I think that's a good place to end it. And with that being said, I want to say thank you, Justin, for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, I will be sure to put all of his all of his links in the description bar below uh, on our website as well as on YouTube so you guys can go check it out. Go support his work. I'll put the, the, the link to the post where he was at the Orlando City Council meeting where you guys can see it. Uh, share it with your friends. Really, if this information helped you, share it with your friends as well. Go follow Justin. Appreciate his type of work. And that's all I really have for you guys and gals. And remember, gang, stay vigilant. Expose lies and share truth. This is Noise Era, Freedom Faction, and Justin Harvey of We Are Change Orlando. Out. Yep. A lot of different topics were talked about. But that's the way that it should be, especially whenever we're trying to get a comprehensive view, not only of the times that we're in, but the amount of work that one individual has to put in and can put in if they decide they are committed. Having great people on like Justin exemplify the timeline, as I said before, the timeline of how much activism is going on. But that's how it has to work. You have to ride that wave and understand that we'll get through this as long as we stay with the mission. But like I said, from talking about aliens to 5G to vaccines to flat earth, you name it. Tripping down the rabbit hole. Like I said, I'll put all the links for uh, uh, Justin's information in the description bar below so you can go check it out. Fantastic man. And make sure you also uh, go check out the post with the United for Common Ground Summit uh, where we met a whole host of amazing people. And this is what happens, people, whenever we decide to come together. And your support is what gets us there. However, that's all I really have for you. And remember, guys and gals, stay vigilant. Expose lies and share truth. This is Noisera, Freedom Faction, and Justin Harvey of We Are Change Orlando. Out.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.